I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Kim Grenolds of dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and uh, just kind of a bonus, not quite an emergency podcast, but uh, with holiday seasons, we tend to get scattered a little bit. So let's get all three of us together and just kind of go over the things that happened over the weekend with the win in the Las Vegas Bowl, a couple coaches being let go. Is that the end of it? So just wanted to touch bases with all of you guys and maybe just give you a little bit of a bonus podcast and Jordan Powell and Bush Hamden both released yesterday. Uh, surprise to either one of you guys? I'd say Powell was a little bit uh, of a surprise to me just because I thought he was recruiting relatively well. I mean, maybe not perfect, and, and he struggled last season, but he brought in a couple good guys this year, and he got him in on Jack Yerry toward the end here. And, you know, I and I, I always thought that the – tight ends had played relatively well and and uh felt like he developed his guys so um that one surprised me a little bit bush hamden does not i mean it was pretty obvious that things just weren't working and they needed to go in a new direction so um you know pow pow yes bush hamden no chris i just think that it it was one of those things where there was a lot of things that could be blamed for the offense and the inefficiency and the inconsistency but at the top, I mean, he's the coordinator. He's the one that's going to take the blame and, and ultimately be the fall guy if anything goes wrong. So, yeah, did Jimmy Lake have to, to make the switch? Sure. Yeah, but but was Bush Hamden really the one to blame? I think you could put the blame uh, and, and, and share it among a, a lot of different things. And the other thing was, you know, we'd heard that Jordan Powell was probably one of the most well-liked coaches on the staff, so a little bit of a surprise there. Bush Hamden's offense, or was that uh, Coach Pete's offense? A lot of people believe it was really Coach Pete's offense that Bush Hamden knew backwards and forwards, and I've said this before. You guys heard on the offseason that they wanted to try to incorporate some air raid concepts. They did. It just didn't seem to work. So with Coach Pete stepping down and then uh, Bush Hamden leaving, it looks like just a clean slate altogether for that offense to bring in some new philosophies. And then uh, we'll see what the offensive coordinator does in wanting to bring in his guys. You've got Junior Adams out there. He's a first-year coach, but uh, seems to have done a pretty good job with what he's got and done as well as recruiting. Keith Bonifa is a guy that we've heard could be on the bubble, so we'll wait and see on that as well as um, – Scott Huff, the offensive line coach, who everybody seems to think has done a pretty good job, but uh, we'll have to see uh, what happens on those positions. And that's not even talking about the defensive side of the ball because they still need to hire one coach over there. But uh, 
And lots of names being thrown out there, guys. And what I've been told from a couple different sources, he want, uh, Coach Lake wants to go in an NFL direction and uh, wants to go younger. So um, right now, and I, we said this before the podcast, Chris, right now it's kind of being at the top of the funnel until we start narrowing things down. Right now we're at the top, and there's a lot of names out there. Oh, I'm sure there are. I mean, it, it's funny, though, if you mention NFL and you mention – uh, young, and then, you know, obviously with Washington, Chris Peterson, Boise connection, every, all the signs are going to point to a guy like a Kellen Moore, especially if if Jason, if Jason Garrett gets blown out at Dallas, which it sure sounds like there's a lot of uh, disgruntled folks in Dallas, and, you know, who knows what Jerry Jones is thinking, but yeah, I mean, you know, he would certainly be a, uh, be a guy that I'm sure Washington fans would at least be intrigued with to try to see what he might be able to do. And talking to my NFL guys, it, it sure sounds like this Dallas situation could be interesting for Washington because if Jason Garrett gets blown out, Kellen Moore, you know, I keep on hearing that he's going to get some NFL looks doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get a head gig. He's making about a million dollars a year as the OC at Dallas. But a lot of you know who follow the Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett was um, Jerry Jones' hand-picked guy, kind of the guy that he wanted to, um, you know, turn the reins over. I don't know what his relationship with Kellen Moore is, but uh, Kellen Moore is one of the young, innovative uh, offensive minds in the NFL. But there's another guy to keep an eye on, and that's the um, uh, tight ends coach at Dallas former Washington offensive coordinator, former Alabama offensive coordinator, former Michigan offensive coordinator. And if they hadn't hired Coach Pete, this guy, Doug Nussmeyer, was probably going to be the guy. I don't know how if you remember that, Scott, but he was probably going to be the next guy. I know that they were getting kind of serious with him. I, didn't, I, I personally didn't think that he was going to be the next guy, but it makes sense that uh, they had gotten – to a certain level with him, but they found Pete and they really didn't need to go anywhere else uh, with that. I also um, like the possibility of bringing in a Mark Helfrich, who's uh, what he's at the, with the Chicago Bears now, I believe. And, um, you know, there's a chance that uh, Mitchell Trubisky could get him fired. So, um, I, you know, a lot of intriguing names out there, and I'm sure we'll go through uh, some of the other ones, the ones that we think might actually be at the top of the list. And, Scott, one of the rumors is, uh, you know, if they blow out Jason Garrett, the top guy on the list is going to be Oakland, um, Oklahoma's head coach, Lincoln Riley. So if Lincoln Riley would be the guy that would go to the Dallas Cowboys, I'm sure there's a couple of coaches on that staff that could be of interest to um, uh uh, Jimmy Lake. Also, uh, Frank Beamer's son is on that staff, and he's the passing game coordinator, and that's a guy's name that I've heard. I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Beamer. Yeah, I mean, you you guys follow this stuff a little bit closer than I do. I mean, I I, I follow it kind of tersely and and just hey, I'm I'm well, this is what I'm hearing kind of thing. So I I don't know, but uh, you know. I, I'm up for anybody that Jimmy Lake, I'm willing to give Jimmy Lake the the benefit of the doubt and let him make the choices and uh, make the judgment from who he chooses in a couple of years. It's going to be interesting going through a lot of these guys and just seeing what leaks out. You've got agents out there who want to float their um the names of some of their guys and we're seeing a little bit of that out there too. And um boy, preference Chris, college coach. 
NFL I, coach? I, I, I don't have never a had OC experience. I, I don't really have a preference at all. I mean, going back to the Kellen Moore deal, I'm kind of curious as to how much he is kind of a clone of Chris Peterson and and whether or not Jimmy Lake wants to, to stick with that idea or or if he's just about the built-for-life part of Peterson's plan and then kind of drifts away and, and maybe uh, applies a different offensive approach. So I, I, I don't know the details of something like that, but it's really intriguing to, to know. And, yeah, I, I just, to be honest with you, I my offensive philosophy, I, I don't know enough about the systems to know one way or the other. Certainly, air raid is pretty straightforward. Obviously, what they run with the service academies and what they ran uh, with Paul Johnson at a place like Georgia Tech is pretty straightforward with the option and, and all that kind of stuff. But, frankly, between the 20s, I don't care. I think, ultimately, like I said on the message boards, I think any offense that they run has to have some sort of power running game in it. Has to have something that they can get short yardage, goal line, you know, any of that kind of stuff has to have a power game. Anything else, whatever you want. It's going to be aggressive, so I think that you'll see the running game. And if you look at the New Orleans Saints offense, they've got the um, one of the premier running backs in Alvin Kamara, but uh, they've also got some big-time receivers out there too and one of the best quarterbacks who's ever played the game in Drew Brees if you want to run that type of an offense. Well, what's yeah. interesting about that, Kim, is that the, the running backs coach at New Orleans is a guy with Washington ties in Joel Thomas. Right. So right. who who knows if if there's something to, uh, to that effect? Obviously, you mentioned earlier about Keith Bonafide. I certainly haven't seen anything to suggest that Keith's gone. Or but if but if they blow KB out, then Joel Thomas would he be curious? I mean, it's possible, but he's at a pretty high level right now. It just depends. If you get um, if the offensive coordinator leaves in New Orleans. Do they elevate somebody on the staff or do they bring somebody completely new in? But keep in mind, when you're talking about the New Orleans offense, it's not really the offensive coordinator who's the offensive coordinator. It's Sean Payton. You know, he's the offensive coordinator, just like Pete Carroll's the defensive coordinator at the Seahawks. So could a guy like Joel Thomas be elevated to that position? Has he learned a lot? Or if that offensive coordinator leaves and the guy brings in his own, does he want to go in his own other own direction? But, you know, the coaching convention, what, is the first week of January, Chris? Uh, it's usually right around, yeah, it's, it's, it's usually around the same time that they always had the Army All-American Bowl. <laughs> Scott, tell people what happens at the coaching convention. Oh, it's basically a bunch of guys getting together and telling stories and having some uh, adult beverages and doing some networking, trying to find jobs. Some of these guys show up without jobs and they end up with jobs before they leave. Yeah, it's interesting. Coaches have interviews over beers at the coaching convention, and a lot of that goes on in a lot of the networking, and that's when a lot of interest is found out and those connections are made. And that happens usually that first week of January. And then Black Monday, Black Tuesday coming up shortly after the NFL season is over next week where all the NFL uh, coaches. And usually you've got seven, eight NFL coaching jobs that open up. So um, that's something to keep an eye on early next week after the season is over on all the coaching changes. Chris, you brought up a, a interesting name, the um, Greg Roman, the uh, offensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders. Well, no, no, no. That's uh, Olson is the oh, uh, Greg Olson is the guy Greg for the Olson. Raiders. Greg Roman is with uh, Baltimore right now, but Greg Roman is way above Washington's pay grade at this point. He's going to get some head coaching looks in the NFL because of, what he's been able to do at Baltimore, and he was at—I think he was at San Francisco before that. So he's been super innovated with with within the NFL construct. Again, you were talking a lot about the the New Orleans model. You know, 
I have no idea whether or not a guy like Joel Thomas or anybody else on that staff would have the same juice as a guy like Joe Brady. But if you could strike gold in a similar way that LSU was with a, with a New Orleans assistant, isn't that exactly kind of the blueprint that you'd want to do if you're a Washington guy? Well, we keep on hearing all these things, and you know the way this usually works is what we're hearing. Uh, they will hire somebody completely different, just like when Jen Cohen hired Mike Hopkins, and we get the call early in the morning, and we're having to scramble to find out who's Mike Hopkins. So, well, you know, I wouldn't, Kim. I was also I would also say too that it, the last time we had a huge coaching search, big board, and all that kind of store stuff was when um, you know they they were looking for their next coach after Tyrone Willingham. I remember we had 24 or 25 names on that board tracking them the whole time and who do they go and hire but a guy that we didn't even have on the board. So that'll tell you uh, not just how they'll look outside the box but how they also try to really keep a tight lid on things. And I'll give Jen Cohen credit. She's really good at keeping a lid on things. Things just don't leak out uh, up there. You know, with uh, you know, nobody had an idea about Coach Pete. So she does a tremendous job on keeping a lid on it. And, uh, you know, uh, before we move on, anything else we need to cover on the coaching search, guys? Well, I just I, would, I was going to say, it, obviously, we've we focused a lot on the coordinator, and rightly so. And, again, a guy like Nussmeyer with tight ends, that could be really interesting. Certainly don't know about what, what's going to happen with KB. But I would also remind people, too, that there is a defensive spot that they're going to have to fill because of Jimmy Lake being promoted. So, you know, are they going to try to go like for like? Are they going to uh, try to go really hard after a guy like Gerald Alexander with his ties to Washington and how he's a rising star as a defensive backs coach at Cal? Or do they go in a different direction? Or do they even uh, look at maybe blowing other guys out, too? I mean, there's a lot of options right now for Jimmy Lake. It's going to be a really interesting time. Uh, hey, uh, I just want to – why do they have to hire somebody for the defensive side of the ball? Would you want to have six offensive coaches and four You might on the need it. You yeah. might need it. I mean, there's – now, granted, it's a different type of offense, but there's offenses, especially the air raid, that have inside receiver coaches, outside receiver coaches. There's some that have uh, quarterback coaches and – offensive coordinators not the same so i'm not saying that they won't bring in a defensive guy and as a matter of fact i think they probably will but i don't think they absolutely have to with pete kwiatkowski over there now granted he's going to take over the dc job so maybe you want to bring in a linebackers uh coach and and i think that's where you could see gerald alexander come in and be a linebackers uh coach kind of guy he does coach the secondary down at down at cal so I think there's a lot of different things they could do with that open uh, 10th uh, coach kind of situation. I was going to say, too, real quick, Kim, it's a good point, Scott. It really is a good point because depending on what Jimmy Lake does in terms of positionally, I mean, is it possible that Jimmy Lake could go and just coach up the defensive backs anyways now that he's been freed up and you know, and he, and he moves Coach K back to that full defensive coordinator role? Certainly possible, yeah. So I mean, I, I think it's. I think you're right. I think there's every possibility that they could just stand pat with what they have, and Jimmy could could just go back and coach up the DBs like he always has, but minus the coordinator role. And something I think that they need to address too is I think that uh, somebody that they bring in definitely needs to have some kind of a background on special teams because I think that's been lacking for a while. I thought special well, teams I, was I pretty good was, this year. Yeah, they were. It was really good this year. 
I mean, it was one of the best in the country, if I remember correctly, by a lot of the metrics. Kickoff returns. Well, that can also be a, a, a situation where the returners just aren't very good. Well, I, I'd suggest, too, that the you know the idea of returning games and cover games and all that is starting to really go by the wayside. If you have a good kicker, you're not even you're not going to have to worry about too many covers. And as far as actual returns, that's they they really started to use the 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 idea of the fair catch. I mean, almost exclusively. I don't remember too many returns the last seven eight games of the season. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, things are definitely changing. Just want to move along to uh, Coach Pete. Post-game, um, I haven't put this out there, but uh, we had a, I had a disaster getting back from uh, Las Vegas. Plane kept on getting delayed. We sat on the tarmac forever. Took forever to get find a gate when we got back to Seattle, so four hours late. But uh, I was on Alaska Airlines coming in, and I'm uh, just sitting there waiting. Um, sections A and B, groups A and B were loading, and I was in section C. And my phone was blowing up like it always does, especially when I'm at the airport and two coaches get released. And I've got all kinds of people asking me what's going on. I'm just kind of looking down, and all of a sudden I hear this, hey, Kim, what's up? And I look up, there's Coach Peterson and his family getting on the plane. So evidently, when he was done with that press conference, he was done because it sounds like he let Jimmy take the team home. And when I got on the plane, uh, just FYI, all the first-class seats were taken. And none of them were uh, Coach Pete or his family. So Coach Pete, flying coach. And uh, I think that's kind of the way he rolls anyway. So it was kind of cool to see that. But, you know, Coach Pete gone, he leaves a lasting legacy. Chris, you wrote a nice open letter. Just how tough is this on you? I mean, I shouldn't use the word tough. How different is this going to be for you not having Coach Pete around? Oh, yeah, it's certainly not tough. And and, and that was certainly not the, uh, the kind of maybe the sentiment that I was going for. I, I just felt compelled to, to write something. I mean, it – you know, these last six years have been a pretty uh, – they've been kind of a sea change for Washington football because Steve Sarkeesian got him to a certain point, and then Chris Peterson took him to the next level, and now it's going to be up to Jimmy Lake to take them to even a different level. And uh, that's what Chris Peterson – that's the legacy he leaves behind and the Built for Life program and everything else. And I just I, I just really wanted to thank him in the sense that I know that he uh, and the media don't necessarily have a fantastic relationship, and he's pretty open about the fact that – um, he'd just not like to have to worry about dealing with the media at all. But I just wanted to let people know that he's actually been pretty good for us and and he's done a really good job. And like, There's a lot of coaches out there now, Kim, that don't even allow 
the media to look at practices anymore, to even be able to go to practices or talk to guys. And, and um, so, you know, we, we certainly would always love to have more access, but uh, I thought he was fair in that regard. And I think, you know, you've always been uh, saying a couple things about Pete in terms of that he was always uh, fair with us and he was always cordial, and, and I wanted to include that as well. And I just wanted to also just let him know that he's he's very, very deserving of this break. And I think every everybody uh, at Washington, including the media and everyone else, is really interested to find out what his next chapter is going to be. When we first started doing this, Coach Lambright was the head coach, and uh, he could get a little salty. After that, we dealt with Keith Gilbertson, who could get a little salty. After that, we dealt with Rick Neuheisel, who in his own way could get a little salty. Tyrone Willingham, always salty. And then uh, Steve Sarkeesian had his salty moments as well. But uh, if you ask me to, if there was ever a time where Chris Peterson was salty with us, I can't ever remember it. Can you, Scott? Well, I... I mean, you could. I this year I saw a little bit more saltiness out of Chris Peterson than I had pretty much the previous five years. So, um, but you know, for the most part, he was all. You know, one of the things, Kim, you always say it, and I th- and I think it's good to echo it is, we never necessarily. You don't have to be happy about talking to us. Just be professional. Just be and, professional and cordial. That's the only yeah. two things you need to be. And that's always what he was. I was mean, never combative. No. And when when you saw him and Softy kind of going at each other, that was just their relationship. They loved it. Both. Oh, they, oh, they thrived on it. They they it they, they both thought it was funny. I don't think Peterson was ever pissed off at Softy about anything. The only thing I could ever think that he might have been a little pissed off about was the uh, Trey Adams thing, like right before the Auburn game, yeah. and Softy texting and calling Trey to kind of get an update on his injury status. That's just, that's a that's no bueno with, with Chris Peterson. But I mean, for the most part, he always treated us pretty darn well. And um, I'm not going to say I'm going to miss him from the standpoint of, you know, I, I don't think that you have to be as closed off as he was. Um, I did see him at a few events. He was always very nice to me, but you could tell that he was like, I'm not going to say anything about you dub around this guy. And, and I think with Jimmy, if I ever ran into him, he and I would have a little bit different relationship and maybe he'd say something knowing that I wouldn't say anything. Um, so I think that's really the only difference is I, I've had a little bit more of a close relationship with Jimmy Lake, but part of that's because he's an assistant and head coaches tend to play in a different sandbox than uh, guys like me end up, you know, being able to have a relationship with him. Real quick story that was shared with me uh, when I was down at the Vegas Bowl. Uh, the first week Coach Pete was here, one of the beat writers uh, shot him a text and uh, Pete didn't respond, but the beat writer was told in no uncertain terms. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> so uh, there are certain head coaches that uh, have an open line of communication with texts and uh, phone calls. Coach Pete wasn't one of them. Uh, he didn't want to be bothered with that kind of stuff. But like I said, you know, he was always professional. Uh, he was always cordial. And one of the things that Coach Pete, I used to irritate him, you know, because people want to hear about guys all the time. You know, a lot of the stuff that gets asked in these press conferences don't really mean anything. And Pete doesn't want to talk about his guys, and I always wanted to ask him about his guys, so there was a little bit of uh, give and take with uh, myself and Pete, especially on signing day when I would always ask him if he could just go down the list and talk about each and every recruit, 
And he'd say, anyone in particular? And I would always say all of them. It got to the point where UW officials would come up to me before the press conference. Are you really going to ask him that? And I would say only if he doesn't do it on his own. But um, Coach Pete was kind of funny. He just hated talking about guys. And, Chris, you saw that firsthand. Yeah, yeah, Kim, what I was wondering is is that at least watching the video post-game of the Vegas uh, press conference, you know, when he starts to chime in a little bit on the side and things like that, you kind of get a, a glimpse into him kind of letting his his hair down a little bit, so to speak, and and just feeling a little bit more at ease. At least that's the way it came across on the tape. Firsthand, how did you feel like he was? Because it certainly felt like he was, it, it just felt like maybe a burden had been kind of lifted a little bit for him. Well, first of all, the ice—I mean, it was the temp dropped dramatically during the game, and by the end of the game, it was pretty cold out there. And we've mentioned it many times. I hate the cold, and the only person I've ever met who probably hates the cold worse than me is Coach Pete. And he got the ice Gatorade bath, and he wasn't happy about it. You know, he couldn't show it that much. But when he was in doing the interviews, he was still a little bit cold, but you know, because his clothes were all wet and everything. But he looked like a guy who just had the weight of the world lifted off of his shoulders. And one of the things about Coach Pete and Chris, this is we've always seen coaches, wives, coaches, families around. We never really saw that with Coach Pete. His sons would be on the sidelines most of the time, but his wife. Up until yesterday, I'd never even seen his wife. And when I saw him at the press conference, at the way he reacted at, after the press conference, he was happy about the win. He was happy because you've seen him because the win is he's always looking to the next thing. He's always looking at the next game after the bowl games. He was always looking at recruiting and he was just able to be himself and happy and jovial. And when I saw him at the airport with his wife, he looked like the husband, you know, with his two kids. And uh, he just looked like a completely different guy. Like, I always say the running joke is I'm single and I work for myself. So when I'm leaving here, where am I going? And the answer is always wherever I want. And I think the idea of Coach Pete waking up the next day whenever he wants doing whatever he wants I think that was something to really look forward to for him and uh, I admire the hell out of the guy we've been you know all three of us had a chance to sit through his initial built for life program and most of the fans uh, don't understand it because they've never been through it he's going to take this thing he's going to take the culture the leadership aspects of this he's going to talk to companies he's going to take it to the foster school of business the other sports it's i think this is his passion and i think this is the thing that's really going to ignite him and coach pete he's just getting started he's not done he's done coaching football but he's just getting started yeah i think it's it's one of those things guys where you know the football aspect of it was the vehicle and Getting guys to the NFL was a huge part of it. That's how you recruit guys because of that dream for them to fulfill that. But I think he got the biggest kick out of probably hearing the stories of what the guys were doing after their NFL careers or if they didn't even make the NFL at all, what they were doing. Because I think that was a validation and, uh, and confirmation that he was right all along about prioritizing the right things and, and getting those guys set up in a way where they could really impact, uh, you know, future generations and whatnot and, and, and realize their best selves. And Scott, you've seen this on the sidelines when players would come back and boy, they, I mean, they came back to see Pete 
I mean, they came back to see Pete, and you saw the way that they would light up, and Coach Pete would always go over there, and he would always have that big, warm smile on their face. And, you know, it was really cool seeing Vita Vea come back this year, uh, Buda Baker in the years past, and the way they see Coach Pete, just the smile he gives them and how happy he is to see them and how happy they are to see him. Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, these players that have played for him hold him in pretty high regard. Yeah, Kevin King's another one that, and that was someone who wasn't recruited by him. And um, you know, I, I, you know, the the he changed the culture around the University of Washington, and and I, you could see the culture difference between Tyrone Willingham and Steve Sarkeesian. It was there was more energy, there was more, hey, we're going to compete every day. It's it's going to be about this and that and all these different things, and you could tell the the culture difference. When Peterson came in, I was like, okay, what's this culture change going to look like? And it became much more business-like, much more, hey, we're not here just to screw around and have fun. You know, we want to have fun, but we also, this is about developing not only as a person, or I'm sorry, not only as a player, but as a person. And he expected his guys to be improving every day, regardless of where what they were doing and one of the things i i know i remember from the built for life um thing that they did and and i actually i was reminded by it by them showing it in that little tribute video that they posted uh, about peterson was a real man is constantly improving every day and um i think that was one thing he really hammered into his guys is you need to be constantly looking to improve as a person and as a player and as a dad and as a mom and a you know husband and all those different things and man i think a lot of these guys can thank the their lucky stars that they met him and were, were in his program because football doesn't last very long most guys end their career before they're 30 what are you going to do for the next you know 50 60 70 years of your life well chris peterson helps these guys have a plan and that's only going to benefit these guys in the future. And Chris, one of the things that the players would always say that they took from Chris Peterson was uh, he always stressed to them how you do the little things is how you do everything. And I just remember the first year he was here and we're about three quarters of the way through the season. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, the, the culture that you're trying to input into this program, has it been easier or more difficult than you thought? And it's funny because when Chris would – you, you've heard this a hundred times when he would start talking and start going down a rabbit hole that he didn't want to go down to. He would stop. He would start going off and you could hear it in the tone of his voice. And I remember him talking about it's just the little things like the locker room. How freaking hard is it? And he's getting real fired up. How freaking hard is it to keep a locker room clean? And then he starts going off a little bit and then he would pause, smile and go, yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of his catch. How many times did you see him do that, Chris? Oh, he would do it every press conference for the most part. I mean, he you could tell when he was kind of stopping mid-thought, for sure, which it is kind of funny because it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you put out the story about the, the top f- facilities, right, and how Oregon's number two, and you're reading about how they have, like, self-cleaning facilities and stuff. Do you think self-cleaning facilities would have ever worked under Chris Peterson? Chris Peterson would have wanted those guys out there with toothbrushes, like just scrubbing the toilets. And, you know, he would use it as he would use it as a tool or a mechanism to try to get the point across about work and details and all the self-cleaning. What the, what is that all about? I mean, it, I mean, where did how far have we gone where you can't even clean what you've got? 
damn, I wish I would have asked him that at some point. What do you think of Oregon's self-cleaning lockers? Can you imagine the look on his face? Well, right, but it's an aside. But it really does go to show, and I think it is It is kind of goes to a larger point of how, in some ways, it's it's not fair to say that the, the game and everything surrounding it had kind of passed Peterson by. But I think there are certain things where it was moving to a point where I just don't think he could appreciate it and uh, and and get the most out of it that he that he wanted to and I think it goes back to when he was at the Rose Bowl and he said he didn't he didn't appreciate that being a California kid you dream of being in the Rose Bowl and he didn't get what he wanted to get out of it or should have gotten out of it and so yeah I mean it's just it, it's weird but it is kind of indicative of that of that greater point and a lot of it, you know, and I think it comes down to, and Scott, you've heard him say this, he just didn't like the direction college football was heading. And, you know, especially with the recruiting, the possible pay for play, the corruptness that's going on out there, he hated it. He absolutely just hated it. And from everything I've gathered this year, he spent a lot more time working on the culture and the leadership aspect and developing the OKG and the Built for Life program than he did with the X's and O's and I think that, you know, his true passion is on the leadership and developing that program. And he's walking away from four and a half million dollars a year. He's walking away from over 20 million dollars. How many guys can be able to do that with a smile on their face and really be excited about their future? Guys who have over 30 million dollars in the bank. (laughs) So, you know, that's who can do that kind of stuff. You know, I yeah, I mean, it's. I don't like the direction that it's heading, and I don't think I think there's a lot of people out there who don't like the direction it's heading, but you know you can't stop it. It's going to go there, and if Peterson isn't going to adapt with those things, then he needs to get out. And he made a good decision to get out. I if he coaches again, which I'm not saying he's never going to coach again, but man, he does not look like a guy who's ever going to coach again. But if he does coach again, I could see him going to a lower level school. And I'm not talking like an FCS. I'm talking like a D2, D3 kind of school where they're not giving guys, you know, these guys are not being paid uh, for their likenesses because there's no likenesses to be paid for at a D3 school. You're just not doing that. So, um, you know, it's going to be real interesting to watch the way a lot of this stuff hashes itself out. I think Jimmy Lake is a little bit more willing to play that game, and I think he's a good fit. Um, as far as culture, I think he's going to have the Chris Peterson culture in uh, installed, but he's going to maybe play the recruiting game a little bit more than Chris Peterson was willing to. So it'll be interesting to see how things change here over the 2021 recruiting cycle and into 2022 and 2023. One thing I was told was that Chris Peterson told somebody in the football offices if he ever considered, even thought about getting back into college football coaching to please beat him with a baseball bat. I don't think there's any way Coach Peterson uh, coaches football again. Why would you want to limit what his true passion is to 100 players on the team when he can take that passion and he can take it to the athletic program, the Foster School of Business, to Microsoft, to Amazon? Because the one thing that he's always talking about is culture and impacting the culture. And uh, I think he wants to take his uh, program on a larger scale, on a bigger stage, and impact more people. And I think it's going to re-energize him. I think it's going to add years to his life. I think that uh, the graying in his hair will stop, and uh, I think he's going to be a lot happier. Yeah, I I think that that's true. And again, you know, I think you can walk away from $4.5 million a year because you know that if you do the right things, 
and you have something that people want to buy, financially, will he will not be in any sort of difficulties. That that money will come soon enough. But again, you're right. Is it is it about the money or is it about the quality of life? Is it about you know having the, having that fit that he always talks so passionately and, and eloquently about on the recruiting trail? The the fit has to be there for him. And when the fit is right, then the money will come. It's that simple. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see what Coach Pete um, does. And I thought about this several times. If he, I mean. Take us out of the equation. Take the business out of the equation, but just what you know. But uh, if there was a five-day course that Chris Peterson gave, you know, four or five hours a day for four or five days just on culture, leadership, and all that kind of stuff, would you sign up for it? You mean like a Tony Robbins-type seminar? Yeah, yeah. Would Ugh. you sign up for it? I don't know. This, it's, I'm a little I, jaded on that, on, that si- on that side of things. I, I wonder. But yeah, I, do I think it. do I'd I think for in a heartbeat. I was going to say do I think it'd be hand. worthwhile? Yeah, I do think it'd be worthwhile. I don't know if I'd need 5 days of it, but I think 1 day or 2 days might be really worthwhile. Yeah. How about you, Scott? I hate going to school, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean if you paid for it, Cam, I'd be all over it. Yeah, I hate uh, <laughs> nobody hates school on this call more than me, but I'd I'd sit still and I'd listen because I was just captivated on going through the Built for Life program. I I sucked it all in. Some of the guys I don't think appreciated as much as I did, but you know, being in the business world like I have for a long time and being through a lot of that training, a lot of that stuff really really stuck home, you know, struck home with me. So I thought it was outstanding. So, anyways, um, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We never know when things are going to happen. Hell, by the time we're done doing this podcast, they can name an offensive coordinator, running back coach, tight end coach, defensive line coach, secondary coach, and everything else because that's usually the way it goes. But uh, just keep it here at dogman.com. If there's breaking news, we'll be all over it for you guys. So final thoughts, Scott? Uh, I think really it's just uh, I've I've been ever since Peterson announced, what was it, uh, December 2nd that it came out that he was leaving. Um I've, I've been interested to see where this is going to go with uh, Coach Slake. And I was one of those people who had the belief that it wouldn't have surprised me if he ended up not making any changes for a year and just seeing what he could could do uh, with being, uh, you know, maybe taking the reins off of Bush Hamden a little bit. But uh, he's made some changes already. Uh, I'll look forward to seeing what ends up happening on the um hiring trail and um honestly we're getting into 2021 and washington's got a lot of great prospects right in their own backyard that they're gonna have to fend off other schools for so it'll be real interesting here over the next six months to nine months as we kind of go through this recruiting process and see where these kids end up going because i think washington has a really good shot to bring in a top 10 class but they're gonna have to bring in those three, four, five guys that are in that top 50 in the country, and um, all those guys are local, and I think they've got a great shot at it. Final thoughts, uh, Chris Fetters? Yeah, I, would just, I just kind of think back on the opening statement that Chris Peterson had on that 
uh, press conference that next day where he said it that it was an interesting feeling. It felt like kind of a part wedding, part funeral, and but mostly wedding. And I, I think we're starting to see the mostly wedding part because I think everyone's gone past the, the morning stage of, of Chris Peterson leaving. And then I think obviously winning big in the Las Vegas Bowl certainly put a great cap on it and was a fitting end to the Chris Peterson era. But I think when Jimmy Lake's when he when Jimmy Lake makes the statement when he releases Jordan Pow Pow and Bush Hamden, I think that's what get got everybody's juices really flowing because not only was there a lot of speculation going into the game that moves were going to be made, but we just didn't know what the timing was going to be. Was he going to wait a little bit? Scott's right. I mean, he could have sat on it all and just waited a year and just kind of wrote it out and and, and gotten a better idea after a season of, of where the changes really needed to be made. But he worked fast. He was aggressive. And I think that's what's gotten everybody so fired up about these next stages, as well as obviously curious. And I think no one is more curious about it than the three of us. Because this thing could really go anywhere, and I think the next month or so uh, is going to be—it's going to be chock full of some drama. I mean, not even at the end of the recruiting. The recruiting is going to be secondary. Uh, they might get a one or two guys in, in February, but I think people are a lot more interested in how this coaching staff is going to be rounded out, and not just the names, but the configuration too, because there's so many different options out there. Coach Pete. Um... I think it's interesting when a president of the United States leaves the Oval Office, he always leaves an envelope with a handwritten note for his successor. I'm imagining Coach Pete probably has an envelope waiting on Jimmy Lake's desk when Jimmy uh, goes into the office if he hasn't already. So uh, I'll have to ask about that. The other thing to keep an eye on, too, um, they have a budget to work with. Uh, they um Jimmy's making a million and a half less than Coach Pete was, so there's a million and a half savings there. Uh, Jimmy was making a million and a half as the uh, assistant defensive coordinator, and if they hire a guy on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think they're going to be paying him that much. So I think that they can afford to pay an offensive coordinator a million, million and a half, where Jimmy uh, Bush Hamden, I think, was making, what was it, seven fifty, eight hundred thousand, I believe. I'd have to take a look at that. It was 800 yeah. Yeah, so, you know, they're going to have, you know, some budget room to work with on hiring the new assistant coaches over on the offensive side of the ball. But the other thing is with those um, savings that they may make on the coaching staff, are they going to increase, increase you know, the recruiting office staff? Because that's something I've heard as well. So they could make some upgrades on that and hire some more people and get more involved in that. So uh, not only is it going to be interesting to take a look at who he hires as replacements, but seeing the salaries for that and seeing if there's cost savings and, you know, what they can do with the budget on that. So something interesting to keep a look at. We're going to miss Coach Pete. Like I said, he was always great to us. And uh, a lot of the time I know he ha- absolutely hated being there. He was always professional. He was always cordial. Um, and he was even funny a lot of the time. So he will be missed. So keep it like, again, keep it here at dogman.com. If there's anything to update, you know, we'll get it up to you guys as fast as we can. If I hear any more interesting rumors, I have more phone calls to make. So I'll call some other sources and see what I hear. We'll get those out on the message boards as fast as we can as well. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Go dogs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.